Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Amos chapter 3. We've been looking at a question. We've been investigating this question and in turn investigating our own lives to find out how we can more accurately walk together with God. The question is found here in Amos chapter 3, verse 3. How can two walk together except they be agreed? This is the prerequisite of an accurate walk with God that we get in agreement with God. God's not going to change His viewpoint. He is not going to adjust His opinions to match what we think. No, instead, we recognize that God doesn't have opinions. Every thought of God is truth. It's not opinion, it's truth. God doesn't have opinions. He has truth. He is the source of all wisdom. And so for you and I to accurately walk with God, we've got to have a a yieldedness in our attitude. We've got to have a determination to change. If we see that God sees it differently, we'll change what we say. We'll change the way we feel about that. Lord, you don't like it when I criticize that person. I won't criticize that person anymore. Lord, you don't like it when I, when I allow that strife, when that person pulled out in front of me in the, in the highway. I won't allow that strife anymore. I will bless them and bless them again. Right? Bless them, Lord. Bless them. And so... We are agreeing with God. We're looking at areas that we can agree with God. Isaiah 48, verse 17. The Lord identifies a very uh, specific interaction that He desires to have with us in this verse. He says in 17 of Isaiah 48, Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, which teaches you to profit. I am the Lord which teaches you to profit. So God has some things to teach us. Our part is to learn them. We need to come to God with the attitude of you're the the teacher, I'm the student. I'm here to learn. I'm here to learn me something today. I want to come to the Word of God with an... Not to say, here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to read all my highlighted verses in my Bible and say, well, let me read my favorites. No, I want to come to the Word and I want to allow the Word to correct me. I want to allow the Word to adjust me. I want to allow the Word to to be the light shining upon my perception and my, my decisions. And so I have to come with a teachable, a teachable spirit. I have to come with the determination that he has something to teach me every day. Every day. The Holy Spirit lives in the believer for the main purpose 
of teaching us and leading us. That's his main desired purpose in our life, to teach us and to lead us. He is called to do that with a divine calling in the same way that I'm called into the ministry with a set-apart, holy anointing and calling from God. The Holy Spirit is, is called to come alongside us and teach us and help us. Amen. So we've got to yield to that. And we've got to come with an attitude of uh, what, what do I need to know today? And then it also says, He will lead you by the way that you should go. I am the Lord your God which teaches you and leads you. I teach you and I lead you. And, and for us to find the way that we should go, we're not going to find it without His leading. We're not going to find it with rationality. We're not going to find it in reasoning because the ways of God are above our ways. That's what Isaiah 55 says. The ways of God are higher than just natural human reasoning ways. And that's why we have the Word to help us know His ways. His ways are not beyond our reach. They're higher, but they're available. They're higher. You know, you can get there with a highway in, in a, a more straightforward way than you can if you have to take the back roads. You know, there used to be a time that there wasn't a passage through the, the mountains in between here and Kansas. And to get from here to Kansas, you had to get off of the main passage and you had to take a lot of little two-lane, two, you know, uh, one-lane roads going uh, up through the mountains. But praise God for the highway that I don't have to take back roads to get everywhere I want to go. And that's what God is saying. You don't have to do things the hard way and you don't have to try, try, and try again. You can get in my plan and you can make some progress and you can, can cover some ground if you'll learn my highway. And so he says, my ways are higher than your ways and I'll teach you my ways. I'll lead you in my ways, but you're not going to find the way you should go without the leading of God. So we need to be so skilled in following. Do you see, we've got some homework. This goes right back to what he spoke to us by the Spirit this morning. Word governed, Spirit led. Word governed is the teaching part. Spirit led is the leading part. Hallelujah. I think it's interesting to look at verse 18 because it says, Oh, that you would have hearkened to my commandments. Then had your peace been as a river and righteousness as the ways of the sea. Your seed also would have been as the sand and the offspring of, of your bowels like the gravel thereof. His name should not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. Do you hear the, the regret? Oh, if you would have just hearkened. We don't have to have that report. <laughs> we can have the, the report of, Lord, we listen to you. We learned what you wanted us to learn and we followed the way that you led us and now we have peace as a river. We have righteousness as the waves of the sea. We have the blessing. This is what it's talking about, the blessing in full manifestation. And so we can have the results of God just by following His ways, by, by learning what He wants to teach us. Praise God. This is talking about our walk with God. 
So we've looked at a few different aspects, and I encourage you, if you've not been in any of the earlier teachings, they're available on YouTube, on our podcast. Uh, they'll be coming out in a series uh, uh, whenever we get done. And uh, you can access and listen to them again and follow up so that you can catch up because we've talked about a lot of different aspects, including the renewing of the mind, uh, getting our mind uh, in a place where it is accurate with the definitions that God uses when he speaks so that we're seeing it the way God's seeing it. We're thinking in line with what he's thinking and we're able to uh, have that conversation a lot easier. And so we talked about the renewing of the mind. We've talked about some different aspects. Today I want to look at Hebrews chapter 2 and um, this is one of the warnings that's found in the book of Hebrews. And it's Something that will help us, especially people who are, are um, word-governed people, we need to recognize that this is a possibility and then uh, not allow it to uh, come to pass in our life. It says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. That's what we want to avoid. We never want to let what God has spoken to us, what He's taught us, what He's led us to do, we never want to let it slip. The fact that it's a warning for the New Testament believer is an identifier for us. That is a, a big red flag. Don't let it slip. Say to your neighbor, don't let it slip. We don't want to let it slip. And you could say, well, you know, when revelation comes, I feel like I'll always know it. Has anybody ever, maybe you've been in prayer, maybe you've even been in a service, and you could see it so clearly, and you thought, I got it now. I see that. And then two days later, you're trying to remember what verse it was. What verse was he using? Why? Because in that moment in prayer or that moment in the church, you were more spiritually in tune. Your spirit was listening. And then you went on with your daily life. And over the next two days, you got into the natural routines. And maybe your spirit wasn't as in frequency, wasn't tuned in as good. And you were, you were like, what was that? What was it God said? It was so good when he said it. And so, you know, you learn to write it down. If you ever have that happen, the best thing to do is the next time that happens, write it down. Give yourself triggers to remember it so that you can get back to it. But what we see is it's possible to let it slip. And it's possible for people who once walked in light to let that light slip. Does anybody remember how... John the Baptist received the instruction to baptize people and to identify Jesus. He said that God himself spoke to him. He said, the one who sent me to baptize told me specifically that when I see the Holy Spirit descend and remain, that that would be a sign that that's the Messiah. And he said in front of everybody, he said, today I witness to you that I have seen the Holy Spirit descend and remain upon Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. He pointed him out. He testified publicly. And he told everybody, the same one who sent me to baptize 
told me personally that when I see the Holy Spirit descend and remain, that that is the Christ. But just a few chapters later, just a few chapters later, after John the Baptist has been taken into to the prison, and he's there, and he sends his disciples to ask, are you the Christ, or should we look for another? How did he lose such an, a dramatic revelation? How did he lose such a dramatic that he was so confident of? It was such a, a sure thing until he got offended. And we know that's the case because Jesus said, Go tell John that the blind see, the lame are walking, the poor are having the gospel preached unto them, and, and tell him, Blessed are they who are not offended. And so offended, you know, the parable of the sower, the rocky soil was the offended soil. It said they were offended. And the enemy came for the word's sake. They were offended. And there was no productivity of the word in their life because of the offense. One indication of how people can let it slip. But that's not the only way that a person can let it slip. But if we know that it's possible for things to slip... This word slip is a word that gives the imagery of a boat that should be tied to the dock, but the, it's come loose. It's not tied. It's there by the dock, but it's not anchored or moored to the dock. And so every little wave moves it a little bit farther away. It's not steamboating away from the dock. It's just wave by wave little by little, until they look out the window and they say, we don't even see the land anymore. We don't even see the land. It Wave by wave, it carried it off. And so that's the imagery of this verb. Don't, when it says slip, that's the word that it's talking about. Don't let yourself drift away. Adversity by adversity, circumstance after circumstance, here a little trouble, there a little trouble, and before you know it, you look out and you say, where was that truth I used to be anchored to? Where was that knowledge of God that I used to be so sure about? Where was that confidence I once had that God is a, a, a savior, that God is a healer, that God will rescue me? Where is that confidence I once had in the blood of Jesus? Where is that strength I once had about the name that is above every name? And you think, well, I know that the name is above every name, but is there a, a fullness of faith in the heart? That's what the New Testament continually gives uh, an instruction. Hold fast the profession of your faith without wavering. Hold fast to that confession. You've got to hold it fast. Why? Because... There are things the enemy is trying to bring adversity. He's trying to bring wrong thinking. He's trying to bring things that look rational. They look, they look, and, it, and then he covers it up by everybody else is doing it. And everybody else thinks that way. And the pressure of the masses, if everybody's doing it. Can I tell you that there were millions of people that came out of Egypt, but only two out of those original group that came out of Egypt... Two out of millions went in. So don't think that just because everybody believes that way, it's the right way. 
Don't think that just because it looks like everybody is, uh, is, is on board with that, that it's accurate. You've got to be spirit-led. You've got to be word-governed. There was a woman who she came out of, uh, she was actually from China, and her and her parents had moved over to the United States, and she had just gotten saved. I mean, they were in the process of getting all of the huge Buddha statues out of their house because they, had, they were, they were worshipers of Buddha. And she had just been saved a few months and was still cleaning all of that stuff out of her house. And there was a, a minister that, that came into the town that they were and the Bible study that she was attending decided to go over and visit this 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 special minister that was teaching. And so the first night, the leader of the Bible study, he said the first night, it was good, it was accurate. And the second time that they went, he said there were things that weren't in the Bible. And so he went, you know, he went another time and he said it was worse. You know, each, each time that they went, and he has taken his whole Bible study group to this, this service. And he said, as it continued getting worse, I finally took my Bible up to the man who was preaching and I said, there are things that you preach tonight that's not in the Bible. And, and how can you preach that? That's not true. And the man said, oh, I've moved out beyond that thing a long time ago. And so the man said, I tried to pull my group out. And there were people who had been saved a long time that decided to stay because they liked it. But that woman who had just been saved, who had, had come out of Buddha worship, she said, after the first night, something right in here told me I didn't need to go back. She just got saved, but she was more aware and, and sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit telling her, stay away from that, pull away from that, don't give that. And so she was able to protect that salvation and walk in, in the plan that God had for her. But there were other people who continued with that wrong teaching. Do you see why we've got to not be moved by what the masses are doing? We can't be moved by something that is just because it's on Christian radio or Christian TV. What does your spirit say? Do you have peace? And if there's question, just turn it. Don't sit there and ponder the question. You know, Jesus said there are certain thoughts we should not take by asking those questions. Lord, you know, if, if, if there's not a safety in it, back away from it. I mean, would you eat something that you weren't sure? I mean, would you just hold that up and say, I wonder if the dog licked this or not. Should I eat it? No, wait, if there's any question, the trash. If there's any question... Put it far away from you. If there's anything you hear on Christian radio, Christian TV, and it presents question that causes... Listen, put it away and pick up what you know. Do you ever hear Keith Moore? He told about 
when he was first uh, in Bible college there at Ramah. And he said he had invited some other students from the Bible college. And they came to his house for dinner one night. And they're sitting around after dinner. And they decide to get philosophical and theological. And so they began to ask a question that none of them knew the answer to. And he said, one of them said, well, I think it means this. You know, it's a Bible question. And they're, they're all bringing what they think to the Bible question. And he said, at the end of the day, we never resolved what was the accurate perception of that, that uh, you know, Bible question. But he said, after they all left and I got quiet, laid down in my bed, and I'm trying to go to sleep, and the Lord began to speak to me. And he said, you are farther away from the truth about that subject than you were before that conversation started. How did he get farther away from the truth? Because there was all kinds of questions brought in and all those questions. And so the Lord told him at that time, from now on, don't focus on things you don't have the answer to. Instead, you go back and rehearse what you do know. And if you'll rehearse what you do know, you'll get stronger in what you do know because in the light, God can give you more light. But if you move over into questions and get all over here in confusion and darkness, you're farther away from the light than you were because you've, got, you've muddied the water. And so if you would give the attention to what you do know, so when you hear it, if it presents that questioning, I, I'm not saying that you... you um, I'm, I'm telling you that God gave you a pastor to feed you safely. And so if your pastor's not preaching it, don't emphasize it. What your pastor is preaching is what the Holy Spirit wants you to emphasize. And there's a lot of people that are emphasizing things because they sell books. I don't even, why am I here? I'm helping somebody today. This was worth you combing your hair and coming to church this morning. There are a lot of people saying things because it's, it's a fad or saying things because it sells books or saying things because it has the wow factor. But you can't live off the wow factor. And your marriage isn't going to be strong by feeding on the wow factor. And your finances aren't going to thrive by you feeding on the wow factor. You need, you need what God has placed for you in, his, in the local church and to help, I'm not saying that you can't watch anything else or listen to anything else, but, but be word-governed and spirit-led. That's, that's, that's for me today. Be word-governed and spirit-led. Amen? In everything you hear, because this verse says it's possible to let it slip. But I want to read this from a few other translations. The Bible in basic English says, um, Give more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we might be slipping away. Do you see that imagery of a little bit, a wave after a wave after a wave? The Weymouth translation says, lest that we should drift away from them. So again, drifting. Not sudden. Not sudden. The enemy knows if he tries to do it suddenly that you'll recognize it. You'll recognize it. You'll be like, whoa, whoa. I know the truth about that. No, 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 no. But if it's little by little, if it's just a, a, a little bit 
here and a little bit there. That's how, that's how poison is given to people in a way that they don't recognize it. They're just like, oh, I got a little headache and that, that person's poisoning them a little bit at a time. And that's what the enemy does. It's a drifting. The Young's Living translation says uh, that we need to give more earnest heed lest we may glide aside. Glide aside of that truth. In other words, we slip right by it. it we, we, go, we, we just move past it. So this says to the things which we have heard. Do you see? There is a help in hearing what I have already heard. There's a strength in me going back to what I've already heard. Why? When, when God brings it to you, He doesn't mean for you just to give it your attention once. He wants you to attend to it so that you get the full revelation of it. He, that what, what you have heard is what you needed. Amen? What, what you have heard from God is what you need to rehearse. It's what you need to go back to. There's safety in that. Now, wait a minute. What God told me. You know, we can, we can expect to, to prosper and have success in everything God told us to do. If God didn't tell us to do it, do we have a promise of success in it? But if I know God told me, so I want to go back and what did God tell me? What did God tell me about that? I want to rehearse what God said. Amen? And so he said, the things which we have heard. The day that um, Dr. Ed Dufresne's plane went down over Kansas, his wife, after she had heard the news that uh, her husband's plane had crashed, she said, the first thing I asked God was, what was the last thing I preached? Because the answer is in it. And she went back to the previous Tuesdays. They have their midweek service on a Tuesday. She said, I went back to my midweek service and I remembered what God, what God brought out in that midweek service. And she said, I had preached, the answer is in you. I had preached a sermon saying, when, when you're in the middle of an attack, you don't have to look out here for the answer. God's already put the answer in you. She went back to find out what the Spirit was saying to their church to find out how she could. That's what she needed to hear. Pay close attention to what you have heard. There's a reason we put it on YouTube and on podcasts and so that you can go back because you didn't get full faith in one hearing. None of us do. None of us get a full measure of faith just by hearing. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. There are things that you're busy writing down the notes and you miss something. If you'll go back and listen to it, you're like, I didn't hear that the first time. We've got to be skilled in hearing things we've already heard. It takes a skill to hear something you've already heard because the, the carnal mind wants to say, He's turning to Hebrews 11, 1. Oh my goodness, I've heard Hebrews 11, 1. How many weeks is pastor going to preach on Hebrews 11, 1? It takes faith. It takes skill to hear something you've already heard and hear it with ears of the Spirit to tune in and say, the Spirit can speak to me through this verse that I have heard every service for however many weeks. Amen? 
So the things that we have heard, we've got to, we've got to put an emphasis on those things. If you've heard that, then go back and hear it again. Say, well, I've heard that. You know, usually that means I don't need to hear it again. If somebody says, oh, I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that. I know, I've heard that. <laughs> that doesn't mean you got all you can get out of that. Go back and hear it again. So he says, there are things that we have heard that we need to make sure we do not let them slip or drift away from us. So Matthew chapter 10, we, we saw an example uh, with uh, John the Baptist, but let's look at another example. Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10 verse 1. And when he, speaking of Jesus, when Jesus had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power, that means authority, he gave them authority, power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So he gave them authority against unclean spirits. My center column reference says the word against also means over. Over. He gave them power or authority over unclean spirits. So do the disciples have power over unclean spirits to cast them out? And to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Well, Matthew 17, just a few short chapters later. Let's read what takes place beginning in verse 14. When they were come to the multitude, they came, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falls into the fire and oft into the water, and I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Is that true? Well, it's truly stated, but it's not true in the statement. This is an accurate record of what the man said. The man said they could not. But was it true that they could not? Not according to Matthew 10.1. Matthew 10.1 says they could. Verse 17, Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus and said, Why could not we cast him out? So they agreed with the man. They agreed with the man. We cannot. We, we tried and we couldn't. We cannot cast him out. And now they're repeating to Jesus that statement of unbelief. Why couldn't we cast him out? Is there anybody agreeing with God here? Is there anybody agreeing with God? How can two walk together except they be agreed? What did God say in Matthew 10.1? Jesus, the Son of God, said, I give you power, authority over against these unclean spirits to cast them out. But they were not agreeing with God. 
They agreed with what they saw. They agreed with the circumstance. They agreed with the situation. If it didn't look like they could cast him out, if it didn't look like he'd come out, if it didn't look like he was any better, they agreed with what they saw. They said, we cannot cast him out. And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Why? You didn't believe what I said. You didn't believe that I gave you authority over it. And because you don't believe that I gave you authority over it, that devil, you were not able to cast him out because it takes faith in what I delegated to you. Hallelujah. So their, their refusal to agree with God put them in a position where God's will, was it God's will for, that, for them to cast that devil out? Yes. God authorized them. He delegated the authority through Jesus to them. It was the will of God, but they weren't able to fulfill the will of God because they didn't agree with what God said. They agreed with what it looked like. We know in one of the other gospel accounts uh, that I think it may be Luke's account because he's so detailed, you know. And uh, in one of the other gospel accounts, it says that when Jesus cast the demon out, that the demon threw himself on the ground and made a big to-do. And so can you imagine that probably happened when the disciples cast the devil out? They probably had the same results and they said, it didn't work. I guess it didn't work. I guess, I guess, here, Peter, you try. I tried, it didn't work for me. And here's somebody else, you try. And so they came to the conclusion based on natural evidence, based on what they saw. And, and their faith was required. Remember what we've learned in our previous discussions, faith connects us to the promise. Doubt is a separation. The word doubt means to separate thoroughly. And so when Peter stepped out on the word of Jesus that gave him the authority to walk on the water, Jesus said, come. He stepped out in faith in that word. He stepped out putting his weight, so to speak, on what the word of Jesus was. Jesus told me to come. I believe I can come because Jesus told me to come. But when he separated from that word by looking at the wind and the waves, he separated from the power that that word brought, giving him the authority to walk. If we separate from the word, we separate from the power of the word. We separate from the working of the word. The word can't work for us if we don't believe it. It's only what you believe that's working for you today. That's why we don't want to let it slip. That's why we don't want to let it slip. That's why we want to, we want to be students who have in our, our library things that if we need to rehearse the authority of Jesus' name, I'll pull it off of my, my CD collection and listen to that one again. The authority in Jesus' name. It's out there free of charge. You can get one. And, and build your faith in the authority of Jesus' name because you don't want to let that slip. Amen. Amen? So the believing is the connection. How many times did Jesus say, according as you believe? Be it unto you as you have believed. He asked those two uh, blind men who came to him, he said, do you believe that I can do this for you? And they said, yes, we believe. And he said, be it unto you according as you believe. 
He said, uh, daughter, your faith, Mark chapter 5, the woman who had the issue of blood. He said, your faith has made you whole. Well, we saw that the power flowed when she touched. He said, somebody's touched me because power has flowed out of me. But he didn't say the power has healed you. The power was there to heal everybody, but nobody else got it. Only one person. What made the difference in the power flowing? One person believed. She believed and she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. And she believed it and spoke it out of her mouth and even followed through with action to touch the hem of his garment. And he said, daughter, your faith, your faith as to what you believe is what you're connecting to. If, if you don't see it manifesting in your life, go back and see if you're plugged in. Did it come unplugged? Am I not believing that? Wait a minute. How long has it been since I had any word on that subject to build faith in my heart? Because faith doesn't come by knowing. Faith doesn't come by... Listen, he said, what you once heard, you can let it slip. Why? Because if I've heard it a long time ago and I haven't heard it recently, that's like I made a deposit in my bank two months ago, but I've been spending the whole time. You better make another deposit. You better have a transfer set up and you can pull some over to cover all these debits you're making because all these debits you're making, and that's what happens with people's faith. They think, well, I made a faith deposit, and then things come up and they don't get to go back to church the next week, and then they, something else comes up and they don't get back to church the next week, and then they're like three weeks without a faith deposit. That's why you need to have it in your ears all day long. Put the word in your eyes, in your ears. So that you can be feeding your faith. Amen. Because what you, what you once heard isn't enough to keep debiting on day after day, week after week, month after month. If you, Every day is a faith day. Pastor wrote the book. Your pastor wrote the book. Every day is a faith day. If you don't have that book, it's available. Amen. Every day is a faith day. You need faith every day. You use faith every day. You access your faith account every day. So you need to know how to maintain your faith. Why? Because faith is what's connecting me. Faith, agree faith is agreeing with God. Faith says God's word is true. I'm connecting to what God said. And so by faith I'll walk in line with what he said. I'll act in line with what he said. I'll behave in line with what he said. I'll think in line with what he said because I believe what he said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we walk by faith, not by sight. They were walking by sight. And they said, why could not we cast him out? What, what should they have said? They should have rehearsed Matthew 10, 1. They should have rehearsed the day that Jesus said to them, I give you power over against unclean spirits to cast them out. When, they, when it looked like that demon didn't go, they should have said, it's gone. I don't agree with what I see. I agree with what he said. He said he gave me power. He said he gave me power. So it doesn't matter that, that, that the, uh, the, the boy is down kicking on the ground, foaming at the mouth. That does not mean the word is not true. That means the devil don't like it, but he's coming out. I cast him out. It doesn't matter what I see. 
God said, he gave me authority. God will back me up. Amen. Amen. So do you see that even these disciples who walked with Jesus, who heard his teachings, they came to the place where they disagreed and Jesus had to correct them. Unbelief. Um, He wasn't sweet about it. He wasn't kind about it. He didn't put on kid gloves and say, well, now, honey. He said, you don't believe me. That's why you couldn't. That's why it didn't work for you. You didn't believe what I said. That's love. That's love. Hallelujah. Help me, Lord. Help me. Jesus, if I'm missing it, tell me I'm missing it. Don't don't play. Don't don't try to save my feelings. Save my life, right? (laughs) I want to know. If I'm not in faith, I want to know. If I think I'm in faith and I'm not in faith, please tell me, Lord. If I'm over in mental ascent, please tell me, Lord. If I'm in unbelief, tell me, Lord. If I'm walking out of love, tell me, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I, I want to go back. Last week we, we did reach a, a place in this teaching where we visited Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4, but I think it would benefit us to visit it again in looking at this aspect of not letting it slip. And just remember uh, some of the things that the Lord pointed out concerning the condition of their heart. He, he specifically said in 3.8, harden not your heart. He said uh, in verse 10 that they erred in their heart. He called it in 12, a heart of unbelief. And again, this is a second warning of the book of Hebrews here in verse 12. Take heed, brethren. So New Testament warning to New Testament believers. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. He's not talking about someone who's sinning. He says, brethren, that what can be a detriment, what can be a downfall, what can be something is if, if there is unbelief. He said, take heed. Is that the same thing we saw in Hebrews 2.1? Give more earnest heed. Take heed, brethren, lest there be unbelief in your heart that causes you to separate or to depart from the promise of God. So this hardening of the heart, verse 13 calls it uh, hardened, that their hearts were hardened. Verse 15 calls it hardened. And so we want to recognize that if I have unbelief, it's like having rocky soil. It's like having a hard heart against the truth of God, against the promise of God. I want to be easily persuaded by the word. Start saying that about yourself. Declare to yourself. It will condition your spirit. If you'll say to yourself, just in prayer, say, Father, I thank you that I am easily persuaded by your word. Just begin to say that about yourself. I am a person who is easily persuaded by the word of God. It will condition your spirit to be, uh, uh, to be easily persuaded by the word. These people were not. They were hardened in their heart. They were erring in their heart. They, and, and this chapter says they provoked God. Oh, let it never be said that a faith builder provokes God. <laughs> Let let there be such a recognition and an honor for him in our lives that we never look at him and say, God, you failed me. No. 
God will never fail us. If there is any area in our life where we seem to fall short, it was not God who let us down. And if we'll just stay true to Him in our heart, He'll put us back together again. <laughs> He'll pick up the pieces. God can do much more with Humpty Dumpty than the king's horses and the king's men could accomplish. God can bring into our lives that fullness. If we'll stay true to Him and say, Lord, You are not the reason that this didn't work. Lord, there must have been something I didn't see. There must have been an area I let it slip. Will you show me and help me fix this? If you'll stay true and not harden your heart against him, then he'll be able to restore your life. But when they err in their heart, they harden their heart, it tells us something that we can avoid. We never want to be that person. We never want to have that response to the promise of God. And I want to specifically look at verse 18. It says, To whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest? Did God want them to enter into his rest? Was God trying to pick some of them off and hold some of them out? No. Every one of them, the perfect will of God for them was full entry into the rest, the promised land that he had prepared for them. He had houses for every one of them. He had beautiful landscape for every one of them. He had, he had beautiful uh, farmland and ranch land for every one of them. God had, had long lives for all of them and peace and, and, and prosperity in their lives, every one of them. But they could not enter in. And it wasn't because God didn't want them to. He wanted them to. He, he wanted them to and already prepared it. It wasn't something he had to get it ready. It was ready. But they could not enter in because it says they did not believe. He swore that they should not enter into this rest because it was to them that believed not. The Weiss translation says something interesting in this verse. It says, those who were non-persuadable. It says, to them that believed not, the Weiss translation, which Rick Renner says is the closest translation to the original language of the New Testament. He's, this version says, they were non-persuadable. So not believing means that God tried to persuade me with his word and I wouldn't take his word at face value and let his word have the highest place of decision making in my life. We're talking about being word governed today. That's how you do it. If I see it in the word, it now governs my life. It now has a place of authority in my life. Amen? They were not persuaded by the word. And if you look at the interaction God had with these people all throughout the wilderness, He showed Himself faithful every step of the way. He proved His faithfulness to them every step of the way. He proved His ability to them. He proved His love for them. He proved it, but they wouldn't believe it. And every time hardship happened, 
Every time a difficult situation, instead of turning to God and asking God for help, they turned and blamed God. You brought us out here to die. Why? You should have just left us in Egypt. Why? We could be eating leeks and garlics right now. We could be eating the flesh out of the flesh pots right now. Oh, excuse me. I brought water out of a rock. Oh, excuse me. Wait a minute. I fed you with angel's food. You didn't have to grow it. You didn't have to sow it. You didn't have to reap it. All you had to do was gather it. There was no threshing involved. There was no, uh, all you had to do was step out and obey my instruction together enough for the day. And every day I provided for you. And instead of rejoicing in what God had done, they looked back and now had a pleasurable memory about what was the worst time of their lives. The worst time of their lives. And they're saying, oh, the flesh pots of Egypt. Y'all know what I'm talking about, flesh pot. The food the Egyptians didn't want and they threw in their scrap buckets and then they sent them out so the servants could eat the part they didn't want. And they're, they're desiring that instead of, what God, instead of the land that flows with milk and honey. Why didn't they just keep their attention on what God said? Why did they let it slip over and over and over again what God said? God said milk and honey. Not garlics and leeks. Not flesh pots. Milk and honey. Milk and honey. Can't you smell the bread? Because you, know, you got milk and honey, you need some bread. Somewhere in this mix, right? You need some bread to, to put that honey on. Some biscuits. Can't you smell my biscuits? Because we got bread, we got milk and honey. Can you smell my cornbread? Because you got a good cold glass of milk, you need some cornbread with it, right? Am I making anybody hungry yet? <laughs> Sunday mornings, that's right. Sunday mornings. And so here we have people who are not rehearsing and remembering what God has said. They've let it slip. They have not been persuaded by it. And God calls it, they provoked me. Isn't that the way Jesus responded when they said, your disciples could not cast him out? And he said, you faithless and perverse generation. Did you think he was provoked? I told them they had authority who said, who said you didn't have authority? Who said you couldn't cast it out? I didn't say that. That is not what I said about you. You're not saying what I said. Verse 19. So we see that they could not enter in. They could not enter in because of unbelief. Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest any of you should seem to come short of it. In other words, if this happened to them with fire by night and a cloud by day and manna every morning, if this happened to them while they had the presence of God walking with them through the desert, if this happened to them, we need to bring a great emphasis to the things that we have heard. We need to have a great honor for the promise and we need to recognize this promise isn't a man-made promise. This isn't a book written by a man. This is God's word. This is what God said. And God cannot lie. Amen. 
he can't lie. So I've got to have an honor for his word and for his promise that will cause me to believe it if I don't see it, to believe it if I don't feel it, to believe it if everything, every evidence in the natural situation is screaming to me, God's not going to heal you. I believe God. If every evidence is screaming, God's not going to help you financially. I believe God. I have given. It is given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. God causes people to give into my life. I don't care what it looks like. I'm fully funded. I don't care what it looks like. I'm blessed, blessed, blessed. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed coming out. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed in the city. All my needs are met because my God shall supply all my needs. The sight and the feelings are not my evidences. The evidences of faith are greater than the evidences of doubt. Hallelujah. Let us fear. Let us bring a holy reverence so that there's not one promise of God left unentered. He said in verse 2, For unto us was the gospel preached. That's the, that's the answer. The Word is the answer. The Word contains the faith. The Word is the connection. If I believe the Word, the gospel was preached. But it says, The Word preached did not profit them. Why didn't it profit them? Well, why didn't it profit the wayside soil? Why didn't the word profit? I'm talking about the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, the wayside soil, the stony ground, the thorny ground. Why didn't it profit? Because of the condition of the heart. He said the word preached did not profit them. And it wasn't the word's failure. It wasn't that the word was no good. It wasn't that the word was incapable of producing. It says that they had a part to play. It says it, the word was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. Give more earnest heed. Give more earnest heed to the things that you have heard. The word was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. That's our part. We, have to, we are the ones who have to hold fast the profession of faith. We are the ones who have to establish that word in our mouth. If it's in your mouth, you've got it in your spiritual hands. You, it's in your possession. If it's in your mouth, it's in your heart. If it's in your mouth, you're putting it in your heart every time you say it. You're writing it into your heart. So we see then that there's a part that we need to play. Let me take one step further before we close. And I want to look first at Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 and verse 7. The women have come to the tomb and the angels are speaking to them and an angel says to them, that Jesus is not there. And then he says this in verse 7. The angel said to the women, Go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goes before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said unto you. 
as he said unto you. He's going into Galilee like he told you he would when he rose from the dead. So he told them where to meet him after the resurrection. But none of them were there. None of the disciples, the women came to the tomb. The disciples, they knew where to find them. They went back and found the disciples at home. They weren't in Galilee. And the angel is telling them, Jesus is still on plan. He told you what would happen. He told you that they would crucify him and that after three days he would raise again. And then he told you where to meet him. So why are you doing here? (laughs) Why are you here? He's not here. Right? So let's look at this. Let's look at this. In Matthew 26, let's see what Jesus told them that they let slip. Matthew 26, verse 32. And and see if this just doesn't stand up in your face and make you do it. I could have had a V8 moment, right? (laughs) Matthew 26, 32. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Is that just right there? Plain and clear and simple. This is where I want you to meet me after three days. After I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Now, Mark 14 also has this same record. Mark 14 and verse 28. Same record. But after I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. Jesus clearly told them where he would be, but none of them believed it. If they would have believed it, where would they have been? In Galilee, expecting him, looking for him. But they weren't. They were at home, sad and crying and distressed. And so he finds them, Luke 24. He finds some of them walking on the way to Emmaus. You know, because he went to Galilee and they weren't there. He finds them in Luke 24. I'll begin in verse 6. This is the women again at the tomb. He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And now they remember his words. Verse 8, they remembered his words. So they're at the tomb. They're crying. They're sad. They're forlorn. They're disappointed. They are, are a, they've been crying for days. And now all of a sudden that changes. Now all of a sudden, he did tell me that. I let it slip. I let it slip what Jesus said. He told us that he would be crucified. He told us that after three days he would rise again. And so now they're no longer crying. Why would you cry if you know? That's right. He said he would rise again. They're not looking for his body anymore. They're not sad. They're not crying. And why stay here in the graveyard? 
Let's go back and tell everybody. So they returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles who were not in Galilee. They told these things unto the apostles and how did the apostles receive it? These, these apostles... Disciples that had walked with Jesus, had served Jesus, had received of his anointing, had been delegated of his power. These disciples who had cast out demons in his name. These disciples who had seen Jesus multiply the fish, had seen Jesus raise the widow of Nain's son from the dead. They'd seen Jesus at Lazarus' tomb call Lazarus out of the grave after he had been dead long enough that his body should have been stinking. These disciples, the words that these women are saying are the same words Jesus said. They told the disciples what the angels told them, which was what Jesus told them all in the beginning. Their words seemed to them as idle tales. Raised from the dead. Where did you get that raised from the dead? He's not raised from the dead. They've taken his body. Don't you get it? They're just trying to cover it up. Don't you get it? The NIV says nonsense. Their words seemed like nonsense. You ladies are hysterical. The Weiss translation says their words seemed like wild talk of those in delirium or hysteria. Just those hysterical women. They're emotional. And they believed them not. That's the problem. That's the problem. Unbelief. Because they didn't believe it, they weren't in the right place. They weren't behaving correctly. And they couldn't recognize truth when they heard it. Do you see why we don't want to be emotionally led? They were so emotionally dumbed down. So numb spiritually, calloused, hardened of heart, provoking God. Is that what we saw in Hebrews 3? The hardening of the heart. How does a person get hardened in the heart? They become carnal. The people in, in the, the wilderness, it wasn't all what happened on the day when they you know, made that false god of a, a cow and began to worship it and have no it was the, what was the evil heart was the unbelief god calls unbelief evil and in one translation in hebrews 3 it calls it disobedience because of their disobedience what were they disobedient about believing god and it says they believed them not so so we see here that uh they are not acting right because they don't believe right. They're not talking right because they don't believe right. They're not living right because they don't believe right. Because if you believe right, it'll, it'll fix how you talk. If you believe right, it'll fix how you act. If you believe right, you'll be talking the victory. If you believe right, you'll be calling the end from the beginning. If you believe right, you'll be saying God's word is true and what I see is not evident. Amen? And so Emmaus, verse 13... 
it says two of them went that day. So two of them that have heard these tales, right, that they don't believe. Two of them went that day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. How much revelation you think was going on here? You think they're like really, really in the light. You know, they're talking. What are they talking? They're talking the problem. They're talking their feelings. They're, they're rehearsing how horrible the, the crucifixion in that moment when he lifted his eyes and said, uh, my God, my God, oh, didn't that just go all through your body when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That just tore me right down to the uttermost part of my being. It just broke my heart. Can you imagine what they're talking about? They talked together of all these things which had happened. What are they not talking about? Let's, let's think about that for a moment. Are they talking about, he said in three days he'd rise again. They let it slip. So they're not talking about what Jesus had given them. That, see, God will always tell you what you need to know before you go through any adversity. He's, he, every adversity, you're already equipped with the answer if you'll just get in your spirit and find it. If you'll go back and say, what did God tell me? And go back and set your affection on that thing which God has already taught you. And go back and, and strengthen yourself in what you do know. They were talking about the things that had happened. And it came to pass while they communed together and reasoned. They were reasoning, carnal. Not spiritual, carnal. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, what manner of communications are these? Think about this question. What kind of communication is this? He's asking them so that they will identify their carnality. How fruitless this conversation is. That we're just digging ourselves deeper in this pit of despair by having this conversation. What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And one of them answered him and said, Are you the only person in all the city who doesn't know what's been going on here? He's full of venom, isn't he? He, he, he begins to rehearse the problem all over because i got brand new ears to rehearse my problem and i got details. And we see in this rehearsing that they weren't walking in the light because he didn't have an accurate uh, judgment of who Jesus is. He just says he was a powerful uh, prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all people. He didn't have the revelation of he was my, he didn't say he was my leader. He didn't say he was my, you know, uh, Messiah. And so... Let's see Jesus' response to all of their talkings. Verse 25. He said to them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe. Slow of heart to believe. Remember Hebrews 3? They hardened their hearts. They erred in their hearts. They provoked God by what was in their heart. And he said to these disciples, You are slow to believe. All that the prophets have spoken. They've heard it. 
but they let it slip. They did not give earnest heed to the things which they had heard or they would have kept their eyes on what the prophet said and they would have remembered that Jesus said, I'm going to raise from the dead in three days and meet you in Galilee. And then he's, he says all of the things rehearsing to them what the prophets had said. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Now drop down and see what they say about this in verse 32. They said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? That's what you and I want. We want to recognize the difference between what is emotional talk and emotional conversations that we're having and that we need to shut our mouths to them because they're only breeding strife or breeding despair or breeding more grief. But what we want is what's going to make our spiritual antennas pick up on revelation. He said, our hearts burned within us. He opened to us scriptures. God can't open scriptures to us if we are burdened down in our emotions. Cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. There's not one care you're authorized to carry. There's not one emotional burden that you're qualified to carry. So cast your care upon him Rejoice in the Lord. Get over into the spiritual flows of peace and joy by rejoicing and meditating the word so that you can hear. So that the scriptures can be open to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, just so that we don't throw Thomas under the bus, and, and, and we might talk about Thomas a little bit more in tonight's teaching, but... All the disciples had this same problem that Thomas had. And so uh, in verse 33 of this same chapter, it says they, they went back, they rose up, these two disciples, they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And as they thus spoke, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit has not flesh and bones as you have seen me have. And when they had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have you there any meat? And he goes on and in verse uh, 45, it says, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures, and he preached to them again. So, so we see here that that's what we're aiming for. We want the scriptures open to us. But we've got to guard against carnal thinking and carnal um, emotional responses. There is a... 
God gave us emotions, and so it would be incorrect for you to look at someone and say, well, come on, you're a spirit, don't be emotional. We have emotions. We're going to have to deal with those emotions, but they don't govern us. They don't lead us. They don't guide us. They don't make our decisions. Those, I, we are, are built with emotions, but those emotions are not part of who, of who we are in our decision-making in our walk with God. Our walk with God is governed by our spirit. We are spirit-led people. And so this is something that we want to guard against. Because of, of all the people who was closest to Jesus on the earth, these people, and they didn't believe him. We're God's children. We're Jesus' brothers and sisters. He has purchased us by his blood. He's washed us. If the Bible says, if God said that we should be expecting the soon coming of our king, then we should. We should not get caught up. We, we're not caught up in the ways of the world. We're recognizing this is temporary. This is temporary. Hallelujah. You know, in Hebrews, the warning that we started with, give more earnest heed. That's the answer. Give more earnest heed. That's what we want to do. The more that I walk with God, the less interested I am in hearing so many different things. Like, I don't have cable because it would be a waste of my money. I wouldn't watch half, I wouldn't watch, a I wouldn't watch, I don't watch any of that stuff. <laughs> I'm just not interested. Who's got time for that? Right. Who wants to hear that? Who wants to put that, that rubbish in their brains and have to defeat all that just to get to my faith, have to move through all that nonsense and that unbelief to get to my faith. Just don't listen to it in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. How do we avoid letting it slip? We become skilled in giving earnest heed. If you would please just bow your heads.